22, and beginning in verse number 1. Now, as we start to read this last lesson on engaging in a spiritual battle, today's lesson is dare to be a leader. And I know that sometimes you think of yourself, you're like, look, I'd rather be a follower than a leader. And I realize God, God does, doesn't want all of us to be necessarily in that position. But I think you'll see an aspect for you, no matter where you are today, but I do think that God wants more of us as Christians to take a leading role in the, in the uh, environment, the home, the work, the community, uh, society. Uh, and I think you'll see this in the life of David today as we get into this. Now, as we start to read these couple verses in chapter 22, let me just give you a little context. You can see it there if you have your Bible open. In the last part of chapter 21 is the passage where David now has, uh, has fled for his life. He's fleeing from Saul. He goes to Achish. This is where David kind of makes himself like a madman uh, because he's there among the enemy. Uh, David's allowing the spittle to run down his beard. He's kind of acting like, you know, Baptists that haven't had their breakfast, you know. And he's just, he's kind of carrying on. And as a result of that, the Bible says in the end of chapter 21, that the king says, have I need of a madman that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? And so in chapter 22, the Bible says, David, therefore, because of the king in this situation, he departed and he escaped to the cave Adullam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, in other words, heard that David had gone to the cave, it says, they went down thither to him, and everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them, and they were with him, notice here, about 400 men. Now, when you look at this passage this morning, and we think about David's life, this is talking about this, this band of men is, is oftentimes known as David's mighty men. Uh, and when, when we see these, these individuals mentioned today, David and those mighty men are a wonderful illustration of what I would call like a win-win situation. And what I mean by that is this, that David needed these mighty men in his life. But listen, the other side of that was, is that those mighty men needed David. Did you get it this morning? David needed them, but they needed him. It's a wonderful thing to have people in our lives because, listen, we, we are relational. That's why God has made us. We need others in our lives. But listen, understand that others need you in their lives also. And that's the relationship we see here that, that David had with these mighty men. And they, these men served David throughout his life. They came to David, as it says here in, in chapter 22, they came to David when David was in trouble. And the amazing thing is if you look at the entire overview of David and these mighty men, here's what you find is they stayed with David through his ups and through his downs. That's a lot of times you'll know when somebody really is a friend to you that when the going gets tough, that the tough don't get going, all right? They stay with you whether it's good or bad, whether the weather's good or whether the weather's bad. 
And, and this is what we see is that they stayed with him. Well, why did they do that? Notice, first of all, their attraction to their leader. David, again, was hiding in this cave for his life. Saul is after him. He's a fugitive. And, and he had been forsaken. David had been, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> forsaken by almost everybody in his life. And here comes these men. They, they come to him. And, and those of his, his father's family, they all come to him. And David, again, is under attack in his life, but they come to his aid. I mean, it's a wonderful thing when people come to you while you have a need in your life. You know, I was thinking about, and maybe you can keep her on your, uh, you know, just be in a spirit of prayer for her today, but Lupita texted me the other day and said that, she said, Pastor, I won't be there Sunday. She said, I'm traveling to Kentucky because when Brother Ken passed, they had planned, the family had planned that they were not going to travel here, that they were going to have a memorial for Brother Ken in Kentucky whenever the weather got nicer. And so that's what she's doing this weekend today. And so if you would just remember, because I know that uh, Miss Lupita has been so thankful for us as a church family, because all of us have just wrapped our arms around her and loved on her and come to her in her time of need and I know going up there is, is, may reopen some of that for her, and it may cause her to think, and I know that God's going to give her the grace and the strength and the comfort, but listen, when she comes back, again, we may need to be there for her and continue to be there for her. And that's the way these men were for David, was I see how, how they came to him during his time of need, and I think to myself, that's the way God's people need to be. That's why I love our church. Because, you know, whether it's people having babies and need some diapers, or whether it's somebody that's lost a loved one, or whether it's somebody that has other needs in their lives, God's people should always stick together. And what attracted these men to David was, notice first of all, that it was based on their need. See, these men, like all of us, they had needs. You know, I don't know what your need is today, but I'll tell you this, God knows what you have need of. And these individuals had need. Now, some of the most productive people that you see in history, and I could have given you all kinds of examples today, but some of the people who were the most productive among those that have invented things in our country are those that were rejected by so many people. And they were ridiculed by them. I mean, uh, you know, just you just think about Edison and his discovery of some of the things that he discovered, Thomas Edison, and how people just thought he was a joke. How many times he failed, people rejected him. Listen, when you think about this in our lives, Jesus said in, in his lifetime in Luke 4, look at this, no prophet is accepted in his own country. Anybody here ever struggled among your family as a Christian? You know, your own family, your own loved ones make fun of you? You know, think you're crazy? for going to church. I, I remember when Joy and I were, were first starting to, to talk and get serious, and I found out that she, she was giving some of her money to the church. And then I found out she was given 10%. And I thought, I thought to myself, I thought, yeah, that's what I thought. What? You know? I thought, that is crazy. Why would somebody give 10% of what they make to the church? And I remember those conversations. I remember those conversations very vividly. And I remember after, after I got saved, listen, 
she or you know a deacon or the pastor nobody had to sit me down and say hey look and look what the bible instructs is you should be giving the tithe because the tithe is the lord's nobody had to tell me that because when i got saved god changed my heart i no longer had to you know hang on to that 10 percent. i realized that was god's and then i i really started to understand that not just 10 percent, but 100 percent of it was really god's and that all god requires is a 10 percent. so when i think about this a lot of times jesus said look you know, there's going to be times where you're going to be rejected. And that was the case with David. David was rejected by those that he had helped, those that he had been there for. And those that came to David, kind of interesting, because if you look back, listen to what it says about these men that came to David. They were distressed, they were debtors, and they were discontent. Boy, it sounds like David got a good group of guys, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> you think about it. when when you and I got saved, the reality is this: Would you not agree with this statement that God didn't get much when He got us? Absolutely. I mean, seriously, you know, we're debtors, we're discontent. I mean, you could go on and on with all kinds of adjectives and superlatives about who we are. We're just like these this ragtag group of guys. I mean, when you think about these men, we would have described them as unhappy, unfortunate, and probably just a bunch of misfits, you know? And, and, and when I think about this, I thought to myself, well, you know, those kind of people, I mean, the world wants nothing to do with people like that. I mean, those are the kind of people that you just discard, you know? I mean, they're, they're good for nothing. And that, there's been many times in my life where I felt the same way. God, God can't use me because of what I've done. And then I look in the Bible and I see instances like Noah. You remember reading about Noah, how Noah got drunk? God used him. I see other people in the Bible. Abraham. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph uh, was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair and was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Peter denied Jesus. The disciples fell asleep while Jesus was praying in the garden. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. And Lazarus was dead. And God used every one of them. Can I tell you this morning, listen, all of us need to understand that God can use us. I mean, here's this group of guys. Look at it again distressed debtors discontent and yet what did they do that group of guys that were in that shape came to david in his time of need i mean they, they came to this man look god uses people with all deficiencies why would god use mankind because guess what we're all deficient the bible says it this way all have sinned why would god use people with such deficiencies why so that he can show his sufficiency. So that God would get the glory out of our lives when God uses someone like us. And I see here that the reason they were attracted to David was because of their need. But notice, secondly, it was based on their leader's sufficiency. Because they knew, I mean, listen, even in their shape they were in, and even though David was not in a palace, he was in a cave, and even though David was a fugitive and he wasn't sitting on the throne, guess what? They knew in their hearts David could take care of them. 
you know, in our lives, we get to the place where we feel like, you know, listen, I don't know if God knows what I'm going through. I don't know if God can meet this need in my life. And I'm going to tell you something. I have learned that God can and God will. Our success in the Christian life is based on the sufficiency of our leader, just like it was in the life of David and those mighty men. They came to David, and look, we need to come to the Lord. Why? Because Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. See, the Lord can do anything in our lives. And when I think about what it says in Hebrews 12, look what it says. Seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And here's the key, looking unto what? Jesus. And G why do we look to him? What, is, what does the writer of Hebrews say? Because he's the what? He's the author and finisher of our faith. See, look, our faith began with Jesus Christ, and one day we will see him face to face when our faith becomes sight. What a wonderful thought. Listen, David, David, yes, he was in a situation where, you know, people had rejected him. He's in a cave. He's hiding for his life. But here comes these 400 men that we uh, uh, talk about. They were mighty men, but they were discontent. They were, they were in distress. I mean, listen, they had, they had issues in their lives, and they were attracted to David because of their need, but they were also attracted to him because of his sufficiency. Those mighty men knew where to go to find help. And when you and I need help, I hope you know where to go. Uh, the Bible says it this way, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for who? For you. See, this morning, whatever your need is, can I tell you, bring it to the Lord. You know, the song that the ladies will sing in the service this morning, love that song. People need the Lord. That's what they need. When people come today, you'll see it as they come through the doors. You can see the pain, and you can see the need in their lives, even though they, you, listen, they may not even tell you, but you can tell there is something there. And as a result, as they come this morning and God begins to minister to them, listen, they'll realize if they're listening this morning that God is sufficient, that he can meet any need that they have. Whatever your need is today, the Lord can help you. See, they were attracted to David because they knew David could help them. Can I tell you this morning, you and I need to be attracted to the Lord because God can take care of any need in our lives. And I see their attraction to their leader, but I noticed also with, with them, I see their loyalty to their leader. See, true loyalty is not just an emotion. It is a supportive action. A loyal supporter, listen now, a loyal supporter of godly authority Here's what they will do. They will please God and follow the precepts of the Word of God. See, someone that is loyal and they're following godly authority, what, what's that going to do? It's going to please God. And as a result of that, they, they will follow. Look at Hebrews 13, 17. The Bible says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. That's what they knew about David. David would look out for them. David would watch out for them. David would take care of them. 
And so as a result, look at this letter A, they served willingly. I mean, it wasn't a laborious thing for them. They, they, they willingly served David. Do you remember the story here in, in 2 Samuel chapter 23 where David remembered from his childhood days this brook that had water that was so fresh? I mean, it was just like, you know, it didn't come from a plastic bottle. You know, there was no cap on this bottle of water. And David was thinking about that, and David thought, oh, what I wouldn't give for a drink of that water. And here he is, I mean, he's not, you, ever, you ever been that way? I, I had to watch myself when I was around my mother when, when my mom was younger, because if I, it, it, now, be honest with you, there were times where I knew she would do it, so I would intentionally say something, knowing that if I said it, my mom would go buy it for me. You know, and, and, and honestly, I shouldn't have done that. But there were times where I would just say something and, and there was no intention behind it. I would just be talking about something and then, and then a couple days later, my mom would, would say, here. You know, I was a, we were serving in the church in, in Baltimore, Maryland, right after I graduated from Bible college. And I mentioned uh, last week or the week before about the first Bible that I had was a Thompson Chain Bible. And I loved that Bible and, and my Bible was falling apart. It was the pages and everything. And I, you know how it is when you get a Bible broke in, you don't want to get rid of it because you know it so well. And you've got all your stuff written in it, marked up in it. And, and I really was struggling, but I thought, you know, I'm eventually going to have to get a new Bible. And uh, I went into our, our church in Baltimore, had a bookstore in the back area of the church. And there was a really nice older gentleman that worked at a bookstore. He was a member of the church. And I, I would go in there from time to time, and I would just walk around, look at things, you know, kind of peruse around a little bit. And uh, I was in there one day, and I saw uh, a, a Tom's Chain Bible. And I started talking to the guy in the, in the bookstore. And I, again, there was no, nothing behind it. I was just talking about, yeah, I love that Bible. And I said, but, but the problem is, is that Thompson Chain... Uh, because it's a study Bible, I said what they've done is they've gone from the fourth edition, which is the one I had, because they've added like some notes. They're not changing the Word of God, but they've added some notes and some study helps. They've gone from the fourth edition to the fifth edition, and when they went to the fifth edition, some of the stuff that's laid out is laid out a little bit differently, and I didn't like that. I wanted to, because, you know, if you've had a Bible that you had for a long time, when you turn to a certain page, you know if you're looking for a verse, if it's on the top right corner of that page or the bottom, you, you know what I'm talking about? If you've got to know your Bible, that's, that's exactly what happens. And that fifth edition, that, it was a little bit of a change, and I thought, yeah. And I said something to this guy. I said, boy, I wish they were still printing the fourth edition. That's all I said. And so about a month later, I'm walking through the church, and this man walks up to me, and he hands me this box, and I said, I said what's that? And he says, well, he says, open it up. And I open up the box, and inside is a t brand new Thompson Chain Bible. And on the front of it, it's got my name imprinted on the Bible. And I said, did, did, you, did you get this for me? And he goes, yeah. And he says, open it up. And I opened it up. It was a fourth edition. It was a reprint. I'm not going to tell you I, I shouldn't have, but I went and looked up how much that Bible actually cost. I couldn't believe that he bought it. I'm sure he got a little bit, of but listen, I never said that so that he would buy me one of those Bibles. I still have it to this day. And David was thinking the same thing. David thought, boy, what I wouldn't give for just a drink of that water. 
Well, here's these men that were loyal to David. They loved David. They knew David could help them. And the Bible says that, notice in 2 Samuel 23, 16, the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink thereof, but poured it out unto the Lord. These men risked their lives for a drink of water. I mean, these men, that's how much they were loyal to David. They loved David. Can I tell you this morning that God is looking for the same kind of loyalty to him? God's looking for people. Remember what God looks for? God looks on the heart. God's not looking at your clothes this morning. God's looking at what's in your heart. That's the, the reference that he makes about David. He was a man after God's own heart. David loved, he learned to love the things that God loves, and he learned to hate the things God hates. God's looking for someone that would be loyal. Look, when the widow, remember in the, in the temple as they were putting their money in the treasury? And here comes this widow, and she, she cast in her, how much? Two mites. She, she, yeah, that's right. She cast in. She, listen, she outgave everyone else. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 8, 12. For if there be first a willing mind, notice it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. As somebody put it, listen to this statement. Every church is filled with willing people. Some are willing to work and others are willing to let them. You know? Are you willing? Look, these men served David willingly. Listen to what Albert Barnes said. It does not require great learning to be a Christian and to be convinced of the truth of the Bible. It requires only an honest heart and a willingness to obey God. You ever heard the name David Livingston? The, the great missionary of days gone by? Maybe you've heard this account, but David Livingston, he was sent uh, by God to Africa, and a, a letter was sent to Livingston while he was in Africa, and listen to what the letter said. They asked Livingston in this letter, have you found a good road to where you are? If so, we want to know how to, uh, how to send other men to join you. So have you found a good road? And can you tell us so we can send other people? And Livingston replied, he sent back a letter, and here's what he said. If you have men who will come only if there's a good road, I don't want them. He says, I want those who will come if there's no road at all. See, a lot of times we're, we, might, we might say, hey, listen, I'd be willing to do that, but I wonder today, are we serving God willingly? Like these men serve David. We need to serve God the same way. And listen, they not only served willingly, they served wholeheartedly. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 23 and verse 17. David said, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. They willingly gave their all. 
they eagerly took the opportunity. Look, they had, a, they had a way to show their loyalty and their regard for David. And look, David didn't ask them to, uh, to go get this water, but they were willing to go get it. And the question this morning is, are you and I willing to serve the Lord with all that's in our hearts? You know, whatever it is that God's speaking to you about, whatever God is showing you, look in Revelation 3.16, because look, I know that as I study the Word of God, God despises this matter of being lukewarm in our commitment to Him. God says, I would rather that you be cold nor hot, because uh, that, that thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. I mean, look, God is looking for someone who is not only willing to serve, but is wholeheartedly committed to serve. Uh, Jesus, as he was 12 years old, remember he was in the, in the temple and he was sitting amongst the doctors of the law and he was hearing them and then he began to say things to them and they were, they were amazed at the information and knowledge and the wisdom that he had. And, and remember what Jesus said in his ministry? He said this on a number of occasions, I must be about my father's business. Jesus was wholeheartedly serving his father. He was God in the flesh. It wasn't halfway, you know, and, and people that have gotten to know me, they understand, listen, I, I live by that saying, go big or go home. I, I don't do anything halfway. You know why? Because if I'm doing something for the Lord, I want to do it all the way, you know? Uh, sometimes we'll do, do stuff here at the church and people say, well, pastor, look, what, you know, that's fine. That, that looks good. No, no, no. That, that, that's, you know, uh, we had uh, a couple of years ago or whatever it was. Remember, we had the theme over the moat for Vacation Bible School. And we were going to, some of the ladies remember, we had that little, you all had a couple of years ago for the ladies thing, had the little castle for the ladies thing. And it was a beautiful little quaint little thing for the ladies event. But, you know, when it came time for Vacation Bible School, Brother Kenny says, hey, we can use that castle from the ladies' thing. We got it out and put it up there, and I thought, no, nah, that's not going to work, you know. We're going to have to build a castle, you know. And, I mean, I was doing everything. I was looking for dragons. I was looking for alligators to put in the moat. I mean, I was looking for everything I could. Why? Because when I do something for the Lord, I want to do it wholeheartedly. And that's the way these men were with David. L listen to what the Bible says, because Samuel challenged Israel in his day, and I think it's the same challenge for us today. In 1 Samuel 12, 24, look at the verse. Only fear the Lord and serve Him in truth. Notice these next words. Say them out loud with me. With all your heart. All your heart. You know, no reserves. God, I'm going to serve you with all my heart. You know, whatever it is. You know, uh, listen, pray for, last week we, we started the uh, translation uh, of, of our services so that people that want to hear the, the uh, message and hear the truth of God's word in, this, in the Spanish language can do that. And, uh, and Ms. Nazarel, she's, she said, Pastor, I'd be willing to do that. And so uh, last week, she didn't even hardly go to bed. She was so excited about it. She stayed up all night. Uh, she translated all the songs that you heard the choir sing. She translated all the words to all those songs, and then she sang them in Spanish to the people over. No, I don't know if she sang them, but she said them. You know, did you sing them? You did not sing them. All right, I'm, I'm just I'm just bragging on Nazrael, You know, and and so and so I I told her I said okay here's what I'll do is I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you my notes. And I says, as, as, as pathetic as they are, I said, I'm going to give you my notes, and, and then you can 
do what you need to do so that you can be prepared to help the folks to hear the message in the Spanish language. So this morning I come in, Brother Chris is sitting in the sound room, and I said, what are you doing? And he says, I'm printing off Nazarel's notes. And I said, what notes? She had taken my notes for my message, and she had translated the entire thing. And, 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 and what's amazing is her message was shorter than mine. So I'm trying to figure out what she cut out of my message, but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but here's the thing is, you know, that just tells me something about her. And I know some of you are the same way, that what you do for the Lord, you don't just dabble in it. You're doing it with all your heart. Folks, listen, I think that's the way we should do everything we do for God. Whether it's standing at the door greeting somebody or working in the nursery or, or, or making coffee or whatever it is. Do it with all your heart. Why? Because you're doing it as unto the Lord. And that's what makes all the difference. Folks, listen, it's exciting to do things for God. When I thought about this matter of, of doing things with all our heart, doing things wholeheartedly, you know what I, I thought of as an illustration was the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. You ever read that? You ever studied the history of those signers, who they were? what they lost, the lives that were taken because they signed a document years ago in the early stages of our history. I was reading just, just a portion of it, but they, they gave their loyalty to found a new country no matter what the cost was. You know, you remember, sometimes when you ask somebody to sign something, what do you tell them? Put your... John Hancock on it. You ever, you ever seen a copy of the Declaration whose name is bigger than everybody else's? John Hancock. Look, you didn't see them in size three font write their name where you got to get a, microphone, a magnifying glass out to find their name. Listen, they signed that. They hazarded their lives wholeheartedly. They said, look, I'm all in with this new country. And when I got saved and I became a Christian, I said, look, you know what? Before I got saved, I was all in for the world. And when God saved me, and that's what the message is going to be about this morning, I said, you know what? I'm all in for Jesus. You know, now some people that are like, listen, that's for you, not me. I just, you know, but can I tell you this morning, we need to be willing to serve and we need to serve wholeheartedly. And then notice thirdly about these guys is I think about this, is their mightiness for their leader. I mean, these, these guys, even in the shape they were in, this bunch of misfits that they were, David was a mighty man in his own right. So we all know about David's victory over the giant of the man by the name of Goliath. But David, as a mighty man, the reason he was mighty was because he was mighty in God and he was mighty for God. That's why David was a mighty man. And David was able to attract other mighty men for his cause. Let me say that again. David attracted other mighty men for his cause. Now, what was David's cause? Right there, the cause of Christ. Remember what he said when he stood in the valley of Elah and he says that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. See, our lives should be lived for the cause of Christ. And you know what happens? See, a lot of times people, people listen to the devil and they listen to the world and they think to themselves, look, it's, it's not worth it to be a Christian. Can I tell you there's not a greater life than to be a Christian? 
And as I think about that, look, we, we, we tend to think if I live for Christ, everyone's going to reject me. Well, I'm going to tell you something. People that don't want anything to do with God, yes, they, you will be rejected of them. Jesus said, if you will live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. But I will tell you this, that people will be attracted to what you're attracted to. Okay? And so as a result of that, as you live for God, guess what's going to happen is other people are going to say, you know what? I don't know what it is that this guy, he's all worked up about something, and whatever it is, when I, when I met my wife, this is a true story, listen, I got to know her, and no doubt she was the prettiest girl that I ever met, ever talked to, I couldn't believe that she took the time to talk to me, it was just amazing, I was just like, this is just unbelievable, you know, because I know that I wasn't a looker, I had no money, still don't have no money, she didn't get much when she got me, but, but I'll tell you this, there was something about her that attracted me to her. I couldn't put my finger on it. You know why? Because I was not saved. I was, according to the Bible, I was a natural man. I wasn't a Christian. And, and so I didn't realize what it was. But after the time went on, I began to realize what it was that was attracting me to her was it was the Lord. She had, the, she had God in her life. And that's what I see with these men was that, that they were men, that their mightiness was an amazing thing. Notice they were valiant men. Th these men were men that slew giants. They won great victories. They were not intimidated. When they came up uh, uh, upon an enemy, they weren't intimidated by the size or the, or the weapons of the enemies. Uh, the days of, of valiant actions like these men, look, they don't have to be a thing of the past. Look what the Bible says in, in Psalm 16, verse 12. Look at this verse. Through God, we shall do valiantly, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. Can God's people say amen to that one? Listen, we, look, there, there should be a day where we are being valiant for God. Why? Because God is the one that treads down our enemies. Let me, let me tell you about a missionary in the 1800s. His name was James Calvert. James Calvert went to, maybe you've heard this, he went to the cannibals, the cannibal people of the Fiji Islands. And his name was James Calvert. He was asked to reconsider about going there. And they said to him, you will lose your life and the lives of those with you if you go among such savages. They said, you're going to die. You're going to lose your life. Listen to what James Calvert said. He said, we died before we ever went there. See, they died to self. They said, look, we, we are willing to, to be valiant for the Lord. Calvert and other missionaries, they willingly gave their lives for what? For the cause of Christ. You know, so that other people could hear the gospel that had never heard it before. See, these men were valiant men, but notice also they were victorious. The Lord used these mighty men as tools in his hand to defeat the enemies of God. Look at 2 Samuel 23, verse 11. After him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the, the Herorite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. There was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines, but he, Shammah, stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. See, God used them. And that's what you need to say to yourself is, look, I want to be used mightily of God. I want God to use my life 
Look, just like Shama, we might be alone, we might be outnumbered, we might be distressed, but the Lord can bring victory, how? Through our lives. So look, look in, the, in the Christian life, as we've looked at this series, don't get tired. The spiritual life is a battle. Every day you're going to be battling something. I mean, it, look, if you haven't faced something this morning, I guarantee some of you faced a battle when you walked in and you saw those donuts sitting over there. It's a spiritual battle, you know? Who puts those donuts there every Sunday, you know? Some, some donut stork brings those by every Sunday and drops those off. And, you know, it's, whatever it is in your life, the Lord can bring victory in your life. Just keep fighting. Look at Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord, let's read this together. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and not faint. That's, that's, the key, that's the key to the Christian life. Don't quit. You know, just be a leader for God. God's army is still in need of mighty men and mighty women. God's looking for somebody to join the ranks. You know, I, we've got some folks in our, in our church, and I've said it in the past. I, I, I've said mistakenly, I said, yeah, he, he was a Marine. And, and they'll, they'll say to me, listen, once a Marine, always a Marine, you know. Can I tell you, listen, I never served in any of the armed forces, but I, when I got saved, I joined the Lord's army. See, if we're, you're a child of God today, listen, God needs you to join the ranks and become a leader for God. Attract, listen, don't attract people to you. Attract people to your God for the cause of Christ. Let's be leaders to help other people. Look at what the Bible says in Philippians 4.20. Unto God and our Father be glory, both now and forever. Amen. How many of you want God to get glory out of your life? I hope that's, I hope that's the story of your life. Listen, the Christian life is a wonderful life. David had his ups and downs, but David was glad for the people that were there for him. And I want to be there for you, but watch this. I want you to be there for me. Let's be there for each other as we serve God. And I hope this has been an encouragement to you. I hope this series has blessed you. That, that we would dare, like Daniel, dare to live the Christian life and fight the spiritual battle. All right, Lord bless you. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you again for the wonderful opportunity to hear the word of God and to read it, study it. Lord, help us to live for you, to be a leader among God's people. Lord, to help point people to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.